jump into, we've had a lot of people talking about this AEW show that happened last night, a little, little indie show called Full Gear, uh, if you guys have heard of it. But uh, anyway, so apparently it was a big deal, and uh, we've got results on it. And uh, you, you guys feeling good? You want to you wanna jump into that and, and dive into what happened and give your thoughts? Let's do it. All right, good. I'm glad you said yes because you don't have a choice. I'm just, I'm already there. <laughs> oh, I do have a choice. I can just leave. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Please, please don't leave. This will not be nearly as exciting for everyone. Well, since you, uh, since you said you please. All right. Well, as soon as hey. I leave, you guys start singing. So, yeah, I saw that, uh, James. Uh, James H. Jackson Jr. in the chat. Without Will's supervision, that's what happens. Singing. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't leave him alone. Guys, I'm so happy that uh Elder Sour's in the chat. Welcome back, Elder Sour. He's uh he's been gone for a long time out of the uh, wrestling community, it feels like. And he is back tonight. This is a big deal. So make sure you say hello to Elder Sour. Woodley Goblin tried to get me in trouble. Gary, you gotta do your deep seductive voice for Tanya. <laughs> That's a uh, whoa, whoa, wait a goblin. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What, what's Brian Rosa saying up in there? Hold on, put, put that quote. Oh, up. Brian Rosa, uh, he's selling a Braves hat if anybody wants one. <laughs> <laughs> I told Brian, I said, Look, man, I want you to wear this. This is this is my colors. And as like, you know, you've had Eddie Matthews, Bill Negro. Hank Aaron, Chipper Jones, Freddie Freeman, Dale Murphy, all these great men have worn this. And because you're my brother, I want you to represent my colors, man. He wore that hat all night. I was so proud of him. I told him, I said, yeah, Brian. and Brian's got a huge head, man. His head is like big. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the biggest, like, that, that hat, like, you had a big carnival going on in the background. And then you had Brian Russell's big head walking back and forth with that brace hat on. It was perfect, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're trying to make friends or enemies tonight, Rob. Great job, either way. He will tell you. He'll tell you. He'll tell you. He knows his head's big. <laughs> so AEW full gear happened. AEW <laughs> full gear happened last night. I am going off of just to give proper credit where it is due. I'm going off the results listed at the Pro Wrestling Torch written up by Wade Keller himself. And uh, so that's what that's what I'm reading from here. Uh, if you watch the pre-show, uh, the buy-in, as they called it, they did some great video packages, by the way. I got I to gotta hand it to these guys. I, I have been, like, watching highlight clips of AEW, but my God, these video packages they put together are brilliant, especially... Cinderella don't know what you got till it's gone playing over the story of Kitty Omega and Hangman Page. That is gorgeous. Like that just, I don't know. I felt that one. Um, anyway, that out of the way, uh, this relates to the show most of all because in the buy-in, Serena Deeb defending the NWA Women's Championship against Allison Kay. And uh, the... Uh, the, the matchup itself was pretty good. I mean, it was a, it was a solid matchup. I, I think I did enjoy the Deem and Thunder Rosa match a little bit more. Uh, these ladies, I don't know if they had it quite as much time, so that that probably was uh, part of it. But Allison looked amazing. I expected, they said at one point during the matchup, they were like, Allison Kay recently announcing your free agency. We'll talk more about that uh, later on. 
And I was like, oh, did they sign Allison K? So, so we're about to hear. Uh, if it happened, uh, we did not hear about it last night. But the uh, K does go for her finisher. It gets uh, reversed somehow. And uh, Serena hits the serenity lock is what I have here. And uh, she uh, makes Allison K tap out and retains the NWA women's title. And after the match, much to all of our surprise, LaMera Mera herself shows up on AEW full gear and uh, approaches and confronts Allison K face off in the middle of the ring. Thunder Rosa says she wants that title back. It looks like, and uh, no, no, uh, no brutality here. Just letting her know and walks out. So Thunder Rosa gets that win back. See, this is what I was talking about, Rob. Thunder Rosa gets that win back on Ray Lynn, and immediately she's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm driving to Jacksonville. <laughs> and so she did. <laughs> Look, we had just gotten back in, man. We went and got something to eat. Went, we was out trying to watch this Georgia-Florida game. Next thing I know, Thunder Rosa, who I had just seen now, I had just seen her, like, hours before. There she is on AEW. I was like, what the kind of time warp is I'm living in, man? Oh, by the way, uh, Mike Stinson in the chat, that is the one and only Mike Stinson, who is uh, the brother of yours truly, my brother uh, in the chat tonight. So The better of the Stinsons. Also known <laughs> as uh, uh, Little Jimmy Morton, referee <laughs> Little Jimmy Morton from a, uh, AWF uh, notoriety. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. They, they were, like, I was like, about to say, you just left that in a really weird spot. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you just I'm like, Rosa out there? You made me go up another octave. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, it was it was a cool match. Uh, Will, you have any thoughts there to add into this? No, it was, it, it was a good match. Um, I really enjoyed seeing Allison K on AEW. Um, I mean, Serena D, uh, she positioned herself as a champion in my opinion i will correct you on one thing and i don't know if you were saying this sarcastically but i was not surprised to see thunder rosa walk out i i was primed and ready uh to see her and and that i mean naturally i mean that's her title and uh so she wants it back and and she's entitled to a rematch so of course she's gonna gonna take it so well, it's not that I wasn't surprised by the uh, by the, the notion of her, the proposition of her challenging Serena Deep, because I think we think we know it's inevitable. I was just surprised to see her because I had just seen her. You know, I was like, we were just in Texas, and now she's going to show Rob, up. And, and Rob doesn't know that planes have been invented yet, so he doesn't I know. know but but listen, man, it's not like it, it, I, I'll give Rob this. I mean, I mean, it just. You know, she busted her ass putting together a whole show the night before. Who knows and what time they she take the ring down? You got to pay people out. They're not, Brian and Mel are not leaving Buda, Texas until the wee hours of the morning, man. They were there. Like, because we left and it was late and they still had work to do. You know, they had, I mean, we, and, I mean, that, it was just, it was, it blew my mind. I, I totally, I'm with you, Will. We knew that this confrontation was going to happen at some point. I was just really sincerely like, there was no hint of it, you know, and nobody said anything. There was no dropping. You know, Brian likes to drop these little hints all the time. None of that happened, man. It was like we were sitting there watching this buy-in, and there she walks out. I was like, I, I even said to Tanya, I was like, 
was like, dude, it'd have been so cool to have Thunder Rosa here tonight. And then boom, there she is. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like that, what are you talking about? That did not just happen. And it's like, it totally did. It pulled an M. Night Shyamalan on me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I will say, uh, Keller, in his report, was not a fan of this matchup being on the show. He said, uh, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of having these two women on the show. No. Um, he says, he's, he's not, maybe, maybe what he's saying here is he's not a fan of having two women's titles uh, being competed for in AEW. Either signing the women to fight for an AEW title or not, but having two titles from an outside organization, one from an outside organization, it doesn't make sense, diminishes the value of the AEW women's title significantly. Uh, that was uh, Wade Keller there with with his, you know, if he were here in one of these quarters, that's what he would have said. Mm-hmm. Rob, what you think? Yeah, whatever. I mean, um, that, I think that he has an informed opinion, but that's not an authoritative opinion any more than ours is. I think it was fantastic. And uh, anytime you get to showcase the meta title, which is the Burke, uh, you know, do it. And uh, this is what we've been preaching for months and months and months. I mean, I want to see this belt on every show. Uh, you know, I mean, if Vince McMahon had the guts, he'd put it on his show. Yeah, I think I think my thought there, my, my point there would be that it's not as if you should pretend like other titles don't exist. Their right. AEW is not the company that doesn't acknowledge any other company. They know New Japan and WWE and all these other companies are out there. So I don't feel like it diminishes their title. You know? I, I want because I really want people to understand this point about how different NWA is and 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 what we really believe in when it comes to you know pushing in and presenting a prize fighting championship. You look at like you know the uh, you know the Olympic gold medal, everybody, that is what you want to aspire to. You want to win that gold medal, but there are other gold medals. There are world championships in this nap. That Olympic gold medal is the one that that is the one. And uh, whatever happens in the future, we don't know, you know, where the, 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 the terms that Thunder Rose's career is going to take. We know she's going to be the most important female player period for where, whatever direction she goes in. But that Burke trophy, man, the Burke Trophy that Allison K first wore, but that 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 Thunder Rosa made a, an iconic trophy again. Um, I mean, you have to understand that if you're if you're trying to position yourself and posture yourself as a credible wrestling promotion, I think it is to AEW's great credit that they continue week after week to showcase this championship. Uh, because ultimately, for pe- not for everybody, for people like us who care about history, legacy, and tradition, this is the belt that matters the most. The AEW Women's Championship held by Akara Shida is a great title. I think Thunder Rosa would wear it proudly. She probably will hold it at some point. But it's the Burke, man. It's about the Burke. That's the one that, that we love, and that is the that's the that's the trophy that goes back. It's the lineal title. It goes back to to Debbie Combs. It goes back to you know uh, Mildred Burke. It goes back to the fabulous Moolah. That is the one. And uh, you know this is beyond personalities. Just beyond. Uh, Billy Corgan is beyond anybody. This is a, a trophy that is the iconic trophy that it exists and it, it exists out there. It belongs to the people. It's our trophy and Thunder Rosa should go for it and she should hold it. And, um, and her, and, and that trophy being showcased only brings credit to whatever promotion showcases it. 
I will say this too. I've got a buddy named Miles who uh, is a huge AEW mark. Like he he loves AEW, and uh, he's in a, a couple of discords about AEW. And he actually texted me last night after this matchup. It was like, hey, man, I just thought you'd like to know. In all of these group chats and discords that I'm in right now, everybody thought that AK and Serena Deeb had a badass match, and they love Thunder Rosa, and they're all talking about how we really got to start watching more NWA stuff. And I was like, well, that is the goal, right? Like, that's what you want. So that's why this partnership is supposed to happen. So if, if that's any indication, I mean, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Right. And and again, I don't want to keep filibustering this, but it's no, it's no, you know. We got to get it no, out of election season. <laughs> <laughs> it's no you guys just let me know when I can talk. Well, I, I think. Who was that? Who is that? <laughs> is there another voice? Uh, I'll just leave. You, you guys in on what I'm about to say. You're going to, you're going to piggyback on this because I think it's not a mistake that we are so enthusiastic about uh, Mission Pro. You know, and, and what they're doing there and the style and the presentation of this of this motion, it it's it is real prize fight wrestling. And that is what the NWA is. And so if people people who like NWA are naturally gonna be inclined to like Mission Pro. It's just it's the nature of the case. Um I uh I just gotta throw this in, Rob. Uh, Brian saying I have to give Rob credit. He was breaking down after the show. Thank you. Did you cry in front of Brian Rosa, Rob? <laughs> well, first of all, my contact was really infected, okay? Now, we were talking about, I think he's talking about uh, getting to help uh, break down the ring. We got to break down the ring and put the chairs back and all that. And I, I just, you know, uh, happy to help out. You know, I, if, if I can lend any service other than our uh, other than our sponsorship money, you know, and the money is going to come in and that's important, but little things like helping them out with, uh, with breaking down the ring and all that, that's, that was a privilege to do that. So. Yeah. Elder Sauer wondering if he put will in a timeout. No, but feel I'll free. Put, at I, any put, point. I put, I put myself in timeout. Cause I mean, like, why am I even here? You guys are, are just carrying it. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the can main I talk, paper. Can I talk, can I talk about Wade Barrett? Can I talk about Wade, Wade Barrett? Barrett? <laughs> Wade sure. Keller. Please. Sorry, I'm sorry. It's what? been so Just long have your since essay I've on Wade <laughs> It's it's been so long since I've spoken. I've forgotten how to because you guys have just been filibustering, as Rob likes to call it, for so long. I think that Wade Keller um, is paid to assess wrestling in 2020 terms from the perspective of WWE being the lens and the 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 top of the food chain, and I, I think. Like you said, Rob, that is informed, so to speak, but it's not looking at wrestling historically. Go back and watch wrestling shows all throughout history. You see multiple promotions, titles, multiple regions, territories, all that kind of stuff. It's not uncommon in the in the scope of wrestling history to have different titles on the same show. It doesn't degrade any of them. They all represent a certain level of greatness. And I think that that assessment is kind of born out of this 2020 idea that wrestling promotion promotions should be insecure and competitive, ultra competitive to the, to the extent that they don't even acknowledge other promotions. And that's not what the NWA is or has ever been. And uh, I, for one, am thankful 
that AEW isn't playing by those rules either, that they are willing to, and you can say what you want about it being on the buy-in, the pre-show, whatever. It was still a fixture on the show. It's been talked about. It's been spotlighted. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And I think it's great for the world of wrestling that a, a nationally televised wrestling program is doing that. Um, and so I don't think AEW is concerned about what Wade Keller's saying. I don't think Tony Khan cares. I think he is a fan of professional wrestling and he sees the value in putting the NWA women's title on the show. Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. Tony Khan just seems open to like have some fun and, and let's, let's make things, mix things up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I think he, he sees the NWA women's championship as a valuable title. I think he also agrees that the talent involved in all of this is a big deal as well. Um, and for what it's worth, I love Wade Barrett. He is, he's a hell of a, hell of a guy. (laughs) And they, and they, they, they regard, they regard the title as a world's title. They call it the NWA world's women's championship, which is a great, a great tribute and a great show of respect. So what's the, what's the, Hey, John Farmer in the chat. What's for Thanksgiving? Hopefully, yeah, gosh, man. Not hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, about to see a lot more of Camille. Um, if we get power off the ground here real soon, um, you know she she is killing it right now. Got a new career in real estate, um, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video. You know, Nick Aldis's birthday was just the other day too, um, Will, and uh, um, the y'all y'all the day before yours, and the, there's this really just endearing. Very sweet video of uh, them giving uh, Nick Aldis his cake, his birthday cake, and singing him the birthday song. And he looks like a – he's so giddy, man. He looks like a 12-year-old kid just smiling and like – and they're all there, man. You know, uh, uh, Tom Latimer's there and Camille's there and all that. And they're just uh, celebrating that day. And uh, it was pretty cool. But It really but, sounds like you're describing a fever dream you had, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> all this was there and Camille was there and Tom Latimer was there and Tom Latimer Man. was in Scottish garb and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luth right. was there Luth was now, there now I'm moving on into the main Mildred card was there. <laughs> the very first match on the AEW Full Gear show was Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page Don Callis joined the broadcast team for this match oddly enough justin roberts in the ring uh listed a ton of accolades as he introduced kenny omega uh women came out onto the stage with brooms ross asked callus to explain the name the cleaner because these women were like dancing this weird dance with the brooms and stuff excalibur said something about video games that didn't really explain anything he mentioned it being something he was called in japan uh, well, enough said, I guess. Anyway, Excalibur <laughs> said Omega has heard the critics and he's here to shut them up tonight. Uh, as Page made his ring entrance, Ross and Page looked like a oh, Ross said Page looked like a long tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Little old Edge. Uh, Omega offered a handshake mid ring. Page had some intense words for him and did not accept the handshake. A minute in, Omega took Page down with a snap rata, so Page rolled to the ringside. When Omega ran the ropes, Page met him with a boot to face and then landed a fallaway slam and a kip up. 
They took it to ringside where Omega landed a springboard moonsault on the page at ringside off the barricade. Omega controlled the ring for a while. He slipped a little on a standing moonsault that indicated a sore knee afterward. Omega flipped onto page at ringside. Callis ca- talked about Omega's history of long, high-pressure matches in Japan and he- that he doesn't panic. Back of the ring, he had a top rope drop kick and scored a two count. A couple of minutes later, as they fought on the ramp, Page caught Omega midair, powerbombed him. Back in the ring, he landed a pop-up powerbomb for a near fall. The two bumps cannot be good for Omega's brain. That's uh, that's Wade Kara, Kel, uh, Keller's editorial. editorial like, what? Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett, ed- editorial, ed- editorializing. Uh, he, his head bounced off the ramp on, on the mat each time. Callis said this is the best he's ever seen Paige look. We got our weather update from Ross, who noted it's 79 degrees and perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is this still the fever dream? <laughs> I think so. Uh, I'm just reading like Wade, Wade Keller's... Uh, and then the Road Warriors came out. <laughs> Omega hit Paige with Ty- Tiger Driver 98, and it looked nasty. Leading to a near fall, Omega went for the V-trigger, but Paige ducked, hit a spinning forearm. Omega came back with a discus elbow and a snapdragon. Paige fired back with a quick hard lariat, then a dead eye for a very near fall. Paige set down on an Omega crucifix attempt for a near fall. After a few more minutes of exchanges, Omega finished Page with the one-winged angel for the three count. Wade Keller gave it four stars and said, really good match start to finish. I still have no idea how viewers are being steered to feel about Omega and Page at this point. The match lost something in that regard as the fans who were there and probably viewers at home were rooting for moves and drama, but not really a particular outcome, I suspect. Um, well, I'll throw to you. Like, uh, do you have any thoughts on on this particular matchup, the Kenny Omega Adam Page feud, or we'll just listen to Rob play music. <laughs> Whatever Rob's doing. Uh, I, I yeah, he heard I, Rob. Rob heard I was about to speak, and he was like, "Oh, screw this! I'm gonna listen to this." <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. I. Uh. <laughs> it's funny. I have more criticisms about Wade Barrett. <laughs> Wade Barrett. <laughs> Wade Keller's editorializing throughout that. Um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on that. Um, I, I, I love this feud. I'm very bought into it because I love both these guys. I think they're, you know, I mean, Kenny Omega has already achieved superstardom in Japan. Uh, he's on, on his way to recreating that. I feel like in AEW, but Adam page to me is one of the breakout stars of, of, AEW of all this. And so him being involved in this storyline and to, to Keller's point about he's not sure how we're supposed to feel. I think that is the point you're, you're supposed to just pick a side and, and whoever you like, I mean, they're not trying to bury either one of these guys, you know, they're trying to elevate both of them through the storyline. So I think, I think they're on the right path. Um, I think Kenny winning was probably the best outcome uh, that could have happened and, and him winning clean and, and all that. Um, I don't think it's, it's over by any means. Um, so we'll see what happens, you know, with this story moving forward. But uh, there's a killer match to start out with Don Callis being on, on the call. I, I just, you know, my first exposure, like a lot of us to Kenny Omega was in new Japan and hearing, hearing Callis on that call just kind of brings that, that memory back. So I thought that was a cool touch. Rob, your thoughts. 
I always wonder why, why, what it is about Kenny Omega that's so controversial. Like why people have trouble acknowledging how great a wrestler this is. I mean, he, his, his matches with Chris Jericho are some of the greatest of all time. I'm talking about Ricky Steamboat, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Great. You know what I mean? They're great matches. And I, I don't know. Maybe you guys can inform me why, why, why he struck, strikes such a chord with people. Um, and this match again, man. I mean, it's a, it's probably 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 Meltzer and Keller because they've been such marks for him that I think everybody it, yeah. it's it's a lot of it's a lot of reactive stuff. Nobody's really watching him and, and objectively saying whether he's good or bad. They're just saying, oh, well, if Meltzer is giving all his matches five stars, then we hate him. So it's it's yeah. just a lot of stuff. It, it goes into that New Japan thing, yeah, I think where Omega comes from and then I think right now I mean, you know, I don't want to start a fight but I, I think a lot of us is Cornette's latched on to the Kenny Olivier thing and that he's garbage and uh, so that gets people fired up in one direction. I don't know, man. The guy is not my favorite wrestler, but he's certainly very good and I mean, I feel like right. I think he's, he's a, a talented dude. I mean, I, I hear Cornette and stuff, and it, and it makes me, it almost makes me watch Kenny with a more critical eye than I think I should, because I always watch him like, let me see, what am, what am I missing here? Because I'm always very impressed by him, always. I mean, I think like, he is one of the most technically, I mean, this guy is like, AJ Styles good, you know what I mean? I mean, technically he is, there's very few people that are at his level. And uh, and this Kenny Page, uh, or excuse me, uh, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega match was everything. I mean, it's a main event match, dude. It's it's a classic. It's it's this is a great match, and uh, I don't I want to be teachable, and I want to listen to people who speak with authority and have important opinions, and and hear what they're saying. And I just I'm looking at this, and I think, gosh, dude, these are great wrestlers, and they're and they're doing they're doing great things, you know. Yeah, I think. Um this match was really solid. I enjoyed this match. It was a very good match. I mean, in fact, this whole show was extremely, extremely good. Um, I mean, I say that it was a little long for my taste, but we'll get into that. But it, it th there are matches that they could have done without. This was not one of them. This match was a very good match, and this feud has been good. And uh, I heard someone say this, so I don't want to take full credit for it, but I 100% agree that one of the cool parts has been with AEW that – uh, this seems so bo well booked that where you might have thought the idea would be that they would one day fight. Like one of the cool things AEW I figured out the best way to word this. Sorry. One of the cool things that AEW is doing is like the obvious stuff that they should do. That seems like the obvious move storyline wise. They're not afraid of still doing that, even though that's the obvious thing that should be happening storyline wise they still go with it because I mean, it's obvious because it's the thing that should happen. Like it feels Kenny Omega and Hangman page get together and they have disputes because eventually they're going to break up and you don't avoid that because people will predict that. No, you, you should. And when they had the tournament and they were both in it on opposite sides, a lot of people predicted, Oh, this is where they'll have their first match. And they did it. And it, they should, it shouldn't have broken down. And now what's cool is these two guys are fighting. And the point I was going to make that, that I heard from someone is that not only now is it a big deal that they build up to this point that you knew they were going to fight, then they let them fight. Something about the story has flowed so well 
getting to even that point that the real money later is going to be when they get back together again. It's going to be huge, and it shouldn't happen for another at least over a year from now. But one day when they become friends again and people, you know, it'll be well after again, people know they want it. But this is the whole thing now, like this Kenny Omega Hangman Page story. So I just, I, I think that's cool that, that AEW is doing that. Um, uh, speaking of, uh, well, no, we're, we're getting there. Uh, I was going to say, I thought the Cody match was next, but that's another one where I thought like, this is what should happen. And it did happen. But anyway, uh, the next match on this card was one that I enjoyed, but I thought could have been left off the main show. Maybe should have been on the buy-in. Uh, if you wanted to shorten the length of the actual show itself, it was Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. Uh, I won't spend so long on all these recaps as I did that last one. I think I've got killer speed down so I can uh, skip through all the, the minutia. But uh, essentially here, if you guys haven't seen John Silver yet, on AEW, I am becoming a fan of John Silver. I don't know what this guy is. Like, he is just, he's part of the Dark Order. And he's Dark Order, isn't he? Yeah. But he's got like a unique personality. I heard Tony Khan on an interview uh, a couple of days ago talk about him and uh, say that he, you know, he, they, he knew he was a good wrestler. They put him in dark order just to use him there to have some place for him. And then the other guys had been using him on their being the elite shows. And he said he watched him on being the elite. And Tony Khan said like constantly, he was like, I freaking love this guy. Like, who is this guy? And he said, he finally had to like call him into the office a couple of weeks ago and said like, John, you got to sit down, man. And he said, he brought him in. He was just like, you're pissing me off. Like, what's going on? And he said, like, he got all worried. Like, what am I doing, man? What am I doing? He's like, I saw you on Being the Elite. He's like, what did I say? What did I say? He's like, no, it's what you're not saying. Like, who is that guy? Why is that guy not on AEW every week? Like, why don't you do that? And he's like, well, I didn't think you'd want me to do that. I thought I was doing, like, the Dark Order stuff. And he's like, no, dude, make yourself. Like, this. that guy is the guy you're supposed to be. And it's amazing. Like, this. there's something... Uh, Elder Sour in the chat saying Silver is the modern Buzz Sawyer is how he's describing it. But that's yeah, good. there's that's a really good analogy. That, yeah, that's uh, a good analogy. He's just a, I think Excalibur on the show this uh, uh, last night show called him the uh, he's like a human bowling ball. <laughs> it's like <laughs> he, uh, he just is. He's like this stout, muscled up, just crazy guy, and he's just fun to watch like he's just got this energy about him and he's exciting it and him and orange cassidy had a hell of a match and like not much of the stuff that people hate from orange cassidy because he did start off that way with the hands in the pockets but immediately like silver slams him and literally rips his pockets off <laughs> it's yeah. like you're not doing this with me and uh and then they actually have a legitimate match and uh they go back and forth but uh uh Cassidy does hit the Michinoku driver, and uh, I think Silver did kick out of that, but he hits the orange punch right after and gets the three count. Uh, and it was a good match, uh, just like a hard-hitting match, too. Um, and, and like I said, I think the, the thing I like the most is I love how Orange Cassidy's also evolved a little bit more here, that he's not – it was a slow build to get him to this point, but he's not just that dude anymore with his hands in his right. pockets. like. He gets into yeah. the matches like 
he, he takes him a second to get revved up, but then he, he can wrestle, man. Yeah, he discards the apathy, um, and, and, and Orange Cassidy is developing into someone that we can take seriously. He was one of those gimmick guys at first that, for, for people like us, it didn't really sit well, you know, but but that that's changing with him. And we're seeing that. We've seen that over the course of the last two shows, you know, two big pay-per-views. Um, I do want to go back to Elder Sauer's comment because uh, the Buzz Sawyer thing, man, that's really true if you look at him. He not only looks like Buzz Sawyer, um, but he's very gritty. And you have to remember, like, and you guys might be too young to remember this, but Buzz Sawyer was the foil. And when I was growing up, Rick even before Ric Flair was the biggest thing in the world, Tommy Wildfire Rich was the biggest thing in the world in Georgia. And he was the hottest name. And his, his alter, I mean, his like arch rival was Buzz Sawyer. They had a classic match called the, that's known in history as the last battle of Atlanta. It was a cage match and it was brutal. And this guy was just like, like Nick Chubb for the Georgia Bulldogs, man. He was just a, just a bowling ball, just a buzzsaw. And, um, and he had a brother, uh, Brett, Sawyer and Buzz Sawyer, and they were just a very brutal, gritty team. And I get that same vibe from Silver, very much so. I mean, it's like the more than that, like Front Row uh, or Elder Sauer said that, it blew my mind, man. It's like you need to go back on YouTube and dig up some Buzz Sawyer stuff because that, that's that's a great, great allergy. Uh, I love the ripping out of the pockets. That was probably my favorite part of the whole match. Like it just it it, it embodied kind of what was going on and, and position silver is this just like, man, I'm not taking your shit. You're not doing this to me. I'll rip your pockets out of your pants. Like that was just, that was just such a cool touch. I thought, um, but yeah, I mean, orange Cassidy was a gimmick that uh, from uh, as Rob said, from our perspective, we could probably be a little critical of, I personally liked it um, because I, I don't feel like they overdid it which is, I think, the tendency with a gimmick like that. I think they would sprinkle it in there. But I like that he's broken out of that, and I think Chris Jericho has helped bring him to this level, his feud with him, um, which is another testament to Jericho. But, um, yeah, this was this was a great little match. Uh, I thought, um, you know, both guys came out looking, looking strong and establishing themselves and, and glad that both of them had a match uh, on the pay-per-view card. I think it was well-deserved. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, the uh, next matchup was Cody versus Darby Allen for the TNT title. Uh, before the match, a video package recap the backstory. Uh, Darby shows up driving in on an old beater car, uh, and it has uh, on the front of it, I think it says the face of AEW, and he smashes it with his skateboard. And... Uh, he he rolls in by himself. Cody comes out next, and he's accompanied by Brandy Rhodes, Dustin, Art Anderson, the Gun Club, Lee Johnson, QT Marshall. And uh, so he's got like his whole nightmare family with him. And Darby's just kind of alone in the corner. And uh, I liked this dichotomy between the two. And uh, so before I, I was leading into this one, I, I was telling my buddy that watches AEW, I was like, I really feel like Darby has to win this match. Like they fought before and uh, Cody, Cody got the best of it. But Darby is like, Darby's that guy that's like on the come up, but he's similar to how we were just talking about mission pro wrestling. I look at Darby in this scenario too, that like, there's this echelon of AEW guys that they're like, their guys are like, Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, 
Uh, and Mom. you know, maybe you, Omega. Yeah, Omega, and maybe you throw in the Bucks, like all of that stuff in there. There's those guys who, like Rob mentioned before, established the credibility of the company. But then there's this lower brand of guys. Not, I don't want to say lower brand of guys, but the rookies, essentially. They aren't necessarily rookies, but they're the new guys, the new faces. And there's like Darby Allen, the Orange Cassidy. There's Ricky Starks would probably be uh, technically in that field of people um and mjf even you know like they're the guys that are like moving into position to become the stars of professional wrestling uh that's how i view them and so like it felt like to me darby had worked himself into these matches with cody enough that like it was like it's time for somebody to win a championship here and and, and i felt like that was the story they were telling and uh and one thing i love about cody too just while i'm just raging on everybody just getting uh, super excited um cody is one of the best wrestlers in the business today like he is just fantastic and he is doing this great thing of he is not a heel but he's like everybody loves him but i think Meltzer described him one time as like he does the luthez job of like Luthez was the champion. The way he told the story was like Luthez was this champion that was very, very good and like the best wrestler in the world. But he fought heels a lot. But every once in a while, he traveled to a territory where their top guy was a babyface and he had to fight the babyface guy. Luthez wasn't going to be a heel like in an unbelievable way. Like all of a sudden, I'm gouging eyes and cheating. But he would be a bully and he would be arrogant. And he would be like, you think you're good enough to take this title. You're not even on my level. Like he would have this like just air of something about him that just said like, no, son, this is not your place to fight me. And so it would get you behind the baby face more. It was just enough of a heel. And uh, Cody was doing that in this match, basically, like playing this role with Darby. He rolled in deep with his crew he came in, there was this celebration around Cody, the pyro, all of this stuff. And then he's looking at Darby and like, you know, right right before they showed this video package where Cody's like, hey man, you know, Darby Allen's really great. Could he be the face of AEW? Yeah. Will he be? No, he won't. Like, because, you know, he just drew the wrong guy and it's me. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, he's just, it just had this like little bit of cockiness about him that uh, made you want to see Darby put him in check, basically. And uh, so this match, this match is amazing. These guys just like Cody just walking around doing that kind of attitude. And then they go back and forth and back and forth. No matter what Cody does, Darby's matching it move for move. They keep going. And eventually, the other thing that I really loved about this match, God help me, this may be one of my favorite matches this year, is that they end up, in a situation where they keep rolling each other up. They're like just getting frustrated. They start rolling each other up and it's like Cody rolls him up, kicks out. Darby rolls him up, kicks out. And it goes and goes and goes and Darby finally rolls him up one time. One, two, three, gets the win and wins the TNT title. Darby Allen has beaten Cody Rhodes and Cody just cannot believe what just happened. And, uh, and it just, I don't know, it was a beautiful story being told in the ring by both these guys. And it was, it was amazing. And Cody, 
uh, does go and get the title and walk over and tell Darby to stand up on his feet. Darby stands up. Cody gets down on a knee and hands him the belt. And uh, just a beautiful moment. Anyway, the Framble don't get off. I'm sorry, guys. I just I can't express how much I loved this matchup. But uh, Rob, Rob, you talk, please. Um, I I like I, again. I think there, this match offered a lot. I, I want to. I don't want to be too controversial here about this. One of my one of my beefs with uh, AEW, and again, I'm not the, the world is plenty big enough, and I could be. I'm probably wrong here, but it just seems to me like I, I really need Darby Allen. He's got a great look. He's a great wrestler. He's very skilled. I need him to be bigger. One of the things that's just like not believable for me is like a guy like. I think he he is set up to have a great and believable feud with the Orange Cassidy, but I just don't see a little guy like that who's probably about my size. I'm 175 pounds, man. I'm not, he's not much bigger than me, you know. I mean, I go work out, so obviously, you know, but I'm not going to go in there. I'm not going to go in there and beat Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I'm a I'm a U.S. Army infantry veteran, but I'm not going to go in and beat Cody Rhodes. He's too big. I'm not going to. Not go with that attitude. You're not now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I and mean, it's like, uh, it's like um, there, there, there's a weight classification again. And I'm not trying to rain on the play here. Cause I really do think it was a good match. It was very entertaining. Everything you said, Gary, I a hundred percent agree with. I just feel like, you know, when you're talking about a, a guy like Cody's a, not only does he match Darby skill for skill, pound for not pound for pound, he's way bigger than him. And that has to be, to me, that's just, it, it stretches the uh, the bounds of believability. I don't think that it, you know in real prize fighting, you know Darby is going to be able to contend with Cody or Chris Jericho or somebody. Not because he doesn't have the talent, but he just doesn't have the size. Um, you know, I mean, Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson are about to box, man. They're 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 promoting that, and that's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. But honestly, guys, Mike Tyson is way too big for Roy Jones Jr. Way too big. He's way too much of a brute, you know, physically it's just an imposing force, but that doesn't take anything away from the, the other thing is like, this is the belt, man. I mean, the world's belt is one thing that, that, that uh, Moxley holds. That's a great belt. It's a great prestigious title, but this belt is like up there because of the manner in which uh, Cody has represented it and held it. And this is a guy who has beaten Nick Aldis. There's only a handful of people that's beaten Nick Aldis. He's one of them uh, and beat it within recent memory. Like we all saw it. And then Nick Aldis, of course, beat him in a very closely contested match. I just don't see Darby Allen again, and I'm not trying to insult him, so please don't take it that way. Because I think this guy, in a cruiserweight classification or a light heavyweight classification or in some sort of title, it's not on the line, is is money. He is money. He can be the face. But like, I never thought Rey Mysterio Jr. being able to contend with a Brock Lesnar or something like that. I just don't buy it. I don't know. Does that make sense? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Probably am. Yeah, you're you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, I'm I'm actually I'm actually struggling with some of the the uh, something similar, but from a different angle. Um, and I try not to be like super dogmatic about this, but in general, I don't I don't think the like. And I said this, I think even last week, but like even with like the Undertaker, I don't think he needed to be the champion because his his persona with that darkness and that, I mean, that was, that was enough to keep him interesting on, on its own. And so uh, kind of from the beginning, I've said like Darby Allen doesn't need a title. He he's, he's a scrappy guy. 
He puts himself on the line. He's entertaining. He's got a great uh, character, great persona. He can go out there and he can get matches over. He can get feuds over. He can get himself over just on the merit of his in-ring performance. I don't think he needs to be in contention for uh, a title or even pursuing a title. Like, I think there's this weird like disconnect in my brain that a guy like him I, I I buy way more into the idea that a guy like him would just want to fight Cody Rhodes than a guy like him wanting to have a gold belt. You know what I mean? Like that, there's a little disconnect there in my brain. I, I'm excited that he did win it. I think he deserves it uh, just for what, what he's become in AEW and um, his, his feuds with Cody. I mean, I love the callback to their first match at fighter fest that went to a 20 minute time limit draw. I love that. They kept mentioning this, uh, this match has a 60 minute time limit. So there probably is going to be a finish. Um, and so, you know, I love that he won. I love the show of respect, um, and everything at the end, but, uh, I, I, I'm a little bit with you, Rob, but just from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I was just going to jump in and say, like, I mean, my thing is, I think I look at these things as though, I don't know. I guess it depends on how much you want to buy into wrestling, like, as a shoot. Like, it just, you know, like, one of the beauty parts about wrestling is it can be MMA, but without the hang up of real life. Like, you know, that. Also, in UFC, we've seen what happens when two guys face off in a matchup. Sometimes it can just go five rounds and they're just like staring at each other and slapping each other every once in a while. Like nothing happens. But you don't have to worry about that in wrestling. Uh, In wrestling, an Irish whip is the dumbest fucking move that could ever happen. Because that just, (laughs) nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to bounce off the ropes and come back at you, you know? So there's there's varying degrees of how far you want to take that, you know? So to me... I've never been too bothered by the little guy that if there is a a story established that this person is a very skilled opponent, there's there's got to be the belief that maybe they could eventually take. And and I, and I know like it's it's weird. It's like there's a height cutoff for some people. I think and uh, and AEW is pushing. I mean, Darby is a smaller guy. Uh, we'd love to know what you guys think out there. So let us know in the comments and yeah. in, in the chat, that sort of thing. Uh, just to throw it in there, since we're having the discussion, it's generating talk. I mean, uh, here and we go. Like, uh, It's a great show of respect that Darby has gotten this very prestigious title. He's earned it, no doubt. And again, I see everybody in here who's commenting, like Front Row and James Lawrence and Jedi Warrior, you guys have opinions that I deeply respect. And, and I, I, I do. And it's, for me, it's like, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't see – it's not believable for me that Darby Allen could beat – could uncrown Nick Aldis. If he can uncrown Cody, though, you would think theoretically the axiom would apply to Aldis as well. I just don't see it. Uh, but, again, that, this is just one man's opinion. Um, it was a it was a, free, a, a good match, and Darby Allen's way cool. Um, and and he, he does have sort of uh, that uh, – charisma and that unique look you know, it's kind of like under Rosa has with the paint and everything that's the kind of thing that gets you over and makes you the face of a company if you match it with a with a good gimmick and a good and good ring gravitas and skill the the sky's the limit for you i just uh you know it's a, it's stretching it's stretching you know wrestling when we've got schools that are now being called dojos the the intimation is yeah yeah this is 
this is performance art. It is performance art, but it is also combat sport too. I mean, these are fighting combat athletes who take their their craft very, very, very seriously. And uh, you know, you look in, you know, propositionally and theoretically, these people that are going in and train, they should be freaking pretty badass fighters. You know, they should be, and they most always are. Uh, uh, so, you know, weight is just a thing. It's just a hang up that I have. It's not a deal breaker at all, but it's just, you know, that's just what, where my struggle is at. No, I love it. I, I love us having these discussions front row in the chat saying he disagrees. It's about skill, not size. Ronda Rousey's five, <laughs> seven and 150 pounds. It can beat anybody's ass. Uh, elder sour was a great match, but I was looking forward to long form Darby versus Ricky feud. Well, stay tuned. Uh, yep. Darby has skills that more than match your typical heavyweight contender, says Jedi Warrior. And uh, and he's a Jedi Warrior, so he would know. So there you go. Uh, but James Lawrence agree with you, Rob. This is why they have weight divisions in boxing and MMA. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see. We're going to find out uh, what, what happens. I mean, a lot of people do think weight classes do matter in these kind of situations. Uh, after the match... One of the, you know, if I could just go back to, uh, you know, give an AEW a hand job real quick. Uh, the uh, Taz walks out and uh, he's had enough of Cody congratulating Darby. Uh, he says he needs a vomit bag. He tells Darby to act like he's been there before, but he never has. He tells him to get, get their bitch asses to the back. He said, you heard me, executive man. And uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage jump in and start attacking Cody and Darby. And uh, so there's this beat down and uh, they tear up Cody and Darby, throw them out of the ring. There's the TNT title in the middle of the ring. Uh, Brian Cage and Ricky both go to pick up the TNT title. And then there's, there's that brief moment of pause between the two. They both have one end of the TNT title. And Brian Cage is like, okay. And Ricky's like, no, wait. <laughs> and then there's like the the pull back and forth and then Taz like steps up just like, Hey, Hey, go, go back out here and beat these guys up. And so they had Taz the belt and they go back to fighting with Cody and Darby. And uh, so they're obviously uh, building up a match there. The uh, match leads to a, a, or the fight leads to the car that Darby rode up in on. And they put Darby's arm in the car. Like they're going to, in the car door, like they're going to break it. And then big Will Hobbs jumps in and attacks both the guys. And there's just a brawl. And uh, so uh, to Elder Sour's point, I don't think the Ricky Starks Darby Allen thing's over. I think the Brian Cage is involved. I think Cody's involved. I think Will Hobbs is involved. There's a whole, uh, a whole kerfluffle occurring here. And so the TNT title is becoming a central part of the AEW show. And I just love the idea of this long-term booking that they're doing that not only has it led up to more story progressing, but even that brief moment between Brian Cage and Ricky Starks that we probably won't see more out of for a year from now. But there was the moment, like the just the brief, like, I should hold this. No, I should hold this. And uh, that was just kind of cool, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, the next matchup on the uh, – they do a bunch of backstage stuff, so I'm going to skip through this. Dasha interviews QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes. It was a very good interview. Dustin Rhodes is – the most uh, underutilized person in AEW that like just every single time he does anything, it's money. He's like one of the best wrestlers and just the best talkers in the business today. And he proves it every single time he's out there. He looks better now than he ever did. And he's getting older and just he's aging like five wide. But anyway, it was good to see him. 
but they could have shaved off some time off this show by not having so much backstage stuff. Uh, they uh, they go to Hikaru Shida and uh, Nyla Rose take it on each other. And uh, I would have skipped through this one a little bit. It was a longer match than it needed to be. Hikaru Shida does pick up the win over Nyla Rose uh, after delivery, like four of those uh, kicks to the head. And uh, Vicky Guerrero gets real pissed and starts yelling at Nyla Rose. And uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't feeling this match. This is this is one of the ones I wasn't so into. I don't know if you guys have thoughts about it though. No, I, I feel the same way. I didn't. I didn't really. And so, I mean, I think to Wade Keller's point, this might have clouded his judgment a little bit when it came to evaluating having two women's title matches on the same show. It wasn't necessarily because of the two titles being there. It was just that this match didn't. I mean, I love both of these ladies, but it, it didn't live up to the rest of the card or even the NWA women's match. So. I think that might have been part of it. And it's odd to me to see like Nyla Rose vulnerable. You know what I mean? It's kind of like what we were talking earlier with genocide. You don't have to necessarily have her in the title picture, but I don't like seeing her get, getting slapped, letting herself get slapped by Vicky Guerrero and just, you yeah. know, being humbled. That's just an un, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like this woman has run roughshod over has been one of the most dominant athletes in the whole AEW lore since AEW started. And uh, this is a complete turnabout. So something's happening. They're obviously trying to develop something there. Um, I think Hikaru Shida is one of the great women wrestlers. So it doesn't, you know, I mean, she, she, she needs a better match, but uh, uh, gosh, it's just, it was weird. It's unsettling to me to see that at the end. It didn't feel like Nyla Rose. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of a, I don't know. It was a, they should have shaved some time off this one, I think. And uh, there were a couple of spots where I thought there could have been a finisher and there just wasn't. And it just kept going. And so it was just kind of uh, disappointing. Um, the next match on the card is FTR versus the Young Bucks. And this match has been built up forever. Uh, Will, I, I have to ask you, I mean, did, did you get a chance to check this out? Because, man, I thought this lived up to it. I thought these two guys. It, 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 it over-delivered, completely over-delivered. Um, I, I was a little skeptical coming into this because I wouldn't say a lack of build, but just it was something that I like FTR and the Young Bucks. I mean, this is a feud that goes back to Twitter when FTR was the revival in WWE and that, you know, this whole, like you guys do flips and we, we punch, you know, two different styles colliding. And um, it just, I don't know. It felt, it, it didn't feel like the, the correct culmination. It felt like this should have been a match that at, at some point was like a main event on a pay-per-view sure. that kind of caliber. And so, yeah, I was a little skeptical coming in, but, Man, it completely overdelivered. And I'm just gonna be honest. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it about the Young Bucks. If you watch this match, if you didn't watch this match, shut up. If you did watch this match and you have criticisms, that's fine. But if you didn't watch it, shut your damn mouth. Because this match, I mean, this was the caliber of 
this was the caliber of, and they mentioned it all throughout the match, but Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express match. A, you know, uh, you know, there's the obvious comparisons to to Ole and Arn with FTR, and just like that, they told. I kept hearing the uh, Southern Boys versus the Midnight Express in this one, like yeah, exactly, and, and like it was on par with that. And you don't have to like guys that flip and sacrifice their body and all that kind of stuff. You don't have to, but if you watch this match as a wrestling fan. And 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 it didn't spark some enjoyment for you, then then we're 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 in two different spaces because that was a tag team masterpiece. And I'm not overstating. I'm telling you, as a tag team fan who would prefer to watch a tag team match, that mat that match was glorious. The story that told the twists and turns. The fact that there was history there, the fact that they, uh, you, in my opinion, look like they legitimately don't like each other, um, which is a, a, an essential component of a prize fight for me. Um, it was just a great match. Uh, it could have been the main event, in my opinion, hands down. Of course, I'm biased as a tag team fan, but it, it was incredible. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's talk about that ending there too because you talk about beautiful story pe- storytelling. You, you you brought it up. I mean, there's uh, just just fists, no flips, or whatever that that the FTR preaches, and then the Young Bucks. Uh, so Cash lands a super kick on Nick, knocking him to the floor. Cash Cash then kicks Matt mid ring, who's laid out on his back. Uh, Cash goes up for a springboard four fifty off the top rope, like just like all of a sudden decides, screw these guys, I'm going for a flip. And boy, does he. And he completely misses uh, when uh, Matt rolls out of the way. Matt gets everything he's got, despite his bum knee that they've been building up this whole match and everything, super kicks him in the face, gets the one, two, three, and wins. FTR's first loss in AEW. The Young Bucks are the new AEW Tag Team Champions. And FTR takes that first loss at the expense of a springboard 450 when they are the just fist, no flips team. And they tried to go the one time they broke away. They had kicked Tully out earlier in this match. So the game plan was broken down. They decided to get spicy with a flip move and it cost them everything. Uh, they broke away from the game plan. And that's, that's a story, man. It was just uh I think it was uh, Brian Alvarez I heard on uh, uh, the Observer podcast saying, like, it's almost as if he was like, in this match, it was almost as if four years ago when these two teams were, like, bitching back and forth at each other on Twitter uh, that the Young Bucks and FTR were like, hey, man, you know what you should do? It's like, just be the just fist, no flips, guys. And then one day, <laughs> one day, after you have made that your thing and it, you never do this, this is going to be badass. He's like, I know that didn't happen, but it felt that way. Just the buildup and the whole thing going to it and out of desperation, they go for that 450, screw it up and get caught. And that's the end of the match. And uh, meanwhile, by the way, the Young Bucks, I mean, for what it's worth, we'll talk about the Young Bucks wrestling. The Young Bucks were pretty grounded during this match. I mean, as far as the Young Bucks go, they were not like wildly flying around. Uh, Matt has the bad knee. And so, I mean, they, that was part of the story for this match, but I mean, this was a dead on wrestling match and 
they're back and forth the entire time. It was it was a 30-minute badass tag team match. It just really was. And I'm sorry, if you didn't like this, then like Will said, I, I just I don't know what to do for you. <laughs> well, Will you probably, probably, if, you, if, if, if you didn't like this, you probably didn't like the Southern Boys and Midnight Express either. So probably in a different spot. Will is our resident tag team expert. So um, as far as like all the technical uh, minutia of the match, I have to defer to him. I do want to say I love FTR's like ring attire coming in, the the jumpsuits. They look great too. Um, I love seeing Hill Will Martin. I like seeing Will Martin angry and and, and uh, a little saucy. That's pretty cool. But I think it's just really you know we're like we have been waiting. Like we just assumed when AEW was founded that the Young Bucks would be the first tag champions and that they would be the perennial champions, and they have not held it yet until this match, and so. Um, I was entertained by it. I'm not as big a tag team fan as Will is. Um, I like, you know, um, you know, one-on-one, mono-mono, gentlemen's rules, classic uh, matches like that. I do like tag team wrestling, but not like Will does. And so I was excited for him. Great match, man. Top-tier tag team match for sure. Yeah. Um, 100% agree. So this was uh, – this, this is probably my favorite one on the show, uh, especially – uh, going into the next match, which is Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in the Elite Deletion, uh, which you needed a come down match, I guess, from that one. I hate, I feel for anybody following that matchup. Um, and uh, I don't think anybody could have followed directly after this. So they go to the cinematic match. And uh, man, I'm going to be honest with you just straight up. I didn't like it. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I guess. No, I just didn't like it. <laughs> it just, uh, it was way too long. There were some cool moments like the hurricane and gangrel showing up and that whole thing. Like that was kind of funny that like they, you know, where they have the moment where hurricane and Matt have the talk about like, Hey man, where you been? Like I've been tied up in this basement. I don't even remember the storyline, but like Matt was like, I'm sorry. I had to get to AEW so I could finish the storyline. But it's like, that's a little too meta for me sometimes anyway. And uh, it just, I don't know. And then Sammy and Matt are like trying to actually like just freaking murder each other throughout the match. And uh, I don't know. It's just not my thing. Yeah, it's it's not my cup of tea, man. I, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to trash it and say that it was good or bad. Um it, it's it's another example, kind of like the stadium stampede of like, you know, it, you can disagree with me. I think there's room for it in wrestling. I think there's room for getting creative and doing cinematic matches. Doesn't mean everyone has to like it. Doesn't mean I have to like it. But just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not good. Um, so some people may have liked it, and maybe I'm being too politically correct here, but it just it wasn't my wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, again, for for a lot of a lot of what we've already said about you know prize fighting and whatnot. Mm. Okay. So uh, the go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. no. Okay. Right, um, they they go to a Lance Ar- a Lance Archer thing in the back. Uh, we'll skip through that. I mean, it's Jake Roberts and just talking about uh, Jake Roberts still cuts a hell of a promo and Lance Archer. You know, just reestablishing him. I'm not sure why this is on the pay-per-view. I don't think it needed to be there. Um, then you get into MJF and uh, Chris Jericho. Uh, I 
the only notes I made about this match, I mean, I, I think the match was uh, average. It was fine. I think it told the story it needed to tell. Uh, but the biggest standout moments for me are that Jericho, just that crowd this late into the show, loved Chris Jericho from singing his entrance theme to just like cheering for him throughout the match. Like they just, everything he did, he's the heel. I mean, but he's up against MJF. So he certainly seemed like the biggest baby face of the business right then. And I just, I don't, I don't mean props to Chris Jericho for like however many decades this is, this is, this guy has just been a different person each decade and is still like a major star. Uh, this, Story of the match is essentially a back and forth between the two, but MJF goes and gets the ring. He's going to put it on his hand, and uh, he's going to punch Jericho in the face, but at the same time, Swagger runs out, throws the bat into Chris Jericho, and then that as the refs dealing with putting Wardlow back down onto the reek side, uh, MJF gets to play the Eddie Guerrero and take the fall, and it looks like Chris Jericho has bashed him in the face with the bat. And so uh, you get the disqualification and MJF and Wardlow are now part of the inner circle. So there you go. Uh, any thoughts on this match? Rob, I'll turn to you first. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chris Jericho has gotten to the point now where he can't be a heel if he wanted to. You know, he's he's a, a statesman. He's so over and popular that people just love him, even when he's the baddest of the bad. I think what we're seeing here is possibly the setting, maybe a passing of the torch to MJF to take over this uh, inner circle. Um, someone mentioned, uh, uh, I guess Jedi Warrior mentioned maybe Chris Jericho starting to do something more statesmanlike and maybe challenge, you know, do like what Cody did and challenge for the NWA title coming up or something like that. But it seems to me like, uh, like uh, you're you're going to see again. I, and I don't know this. I mean, I could be probably wrong on this too, but. Uh, you're probably going to see uh, uh, Jericho booted out of the inner circle here pretty soon because it does not seem to me that even after the match that things were quite sitting well between like um, you know Wardlow and and the rest of the crew. There seemed to be some you know some glances and some hesitation and and all that. Uh, but I think the big story for me is again like you were saying, Gary, Jericho is huge man. He is he is a uh, what a freaking important part of wrestling. I mean, this is a uh, he he is uh, he's He's a tier. He's up there with Flair. I mean, as far as being among the greats, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think people are like hesitant. They're like fighting it. Like it just doesn't. I don't know. I think Jericho's one of those guys that nobody ever expected it would be this way. But he is consistently on top. No matter how you try to bury him or what you try to do with him, he somehow bounces back up, and he just he just is, man. He's always been huge and he just i don't think he cannot be huge and like you said he's also reached that tier of he can't be healed anymore either so it's like people just love him and that's just how it is and this and this ending was what it needed to be i mean there's they're telling a more long-term story here so uh a good match there uh and then we get to for me besides the ftr and uh young bucks match this was the other uh prize fight in the match and one of the reasons i felt like we really needed to cover it because we are this is the nwa and eddie king sends our boy and he leaves the nwa and heads right to aew and within months he is in the main event for the world's heavyweight championship uh props to him props to them props to tony Khan for 
seeing it. And uh, it's just like, uh, you know, you talk about Chris Jericho one day being a huge baby face. Eddie Kingston's going to blow everybody's mind when he becomes like the biggest baby face in the business because uh, he's playing the heel here. He's playing the person that's just, uh, he's distraught over John Moxley, who forgot everybody, left the Indies and uh, left everybody poor. And he took the big money and became a superstar. And, and they're going to have a fight. And uh, he passed out the last time they had a matchup. He never gave up. So this is an I quit matchup. And uh, so somebody's going to say it. Somebody has to say it. That's the only way to win. Uh, but let me just say right off the bat, this is not WWE I quit match. There's not like a ref walking around with a microphone saying like, what do you say, Eddie? You can give up right now. You can give up. Just do it. All you got to do is say I quit. All you got to do. No, it's not that. It's just like they let these two guys just fight. And they, I'm not, I'm not a guy uh, that is huge into hardcore wrestling. I don't know how you guys feel about like CZW and like that style of thing, but these two went at it. And a lot of, I saw some complaints online about the geek show, you know, like Cardi stuff. These guys are just like, trying to hurt each other, blah, 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 blah. But it felt real for me. Like, this felt like these two guys are angry. These two guys come from this. This is what they're going to do. I thought this would, I, I don't know, when these guys busted out barbed wire and tacks and everything else, like, it felt called for. And uh, just, to, just to wrap up what happened here, I mean, uh, uh, I think Mox hit him with, uh, like, a pile driver and a, choke he hit him with the paradigm shift uh mox keeps trying to choke him and uh eddie's not doing anything and finally they've, they've got barbed wire in the ring i mean this is barbed wire that i thought it was just brutal like eddie eventually takes off the board and like wraps it around his fist and he's using it and stuff well mox can't choke eddie out enough but he then takes the barbed wire and wraps his forearm in the barbed wire and is like eddie there is no other way out of this and like grabs him up in the bulldog choke and pulls back and pulls back, choking Eddie with the barbed wire so much that finally Eddie just says, I quit, I quit. And just, uh, and that's it. And Mox wins and retains the World Heavyweight Championship. And I thought it was brutal and beautiful. Like these two guys just beat the shit out of each other. And it looked like what was supposed to happen. All right. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, uh, it, I, I mean, I don't want to be the that guy, um, but it was just a little too hardcore for me. Hardcore, deathmatchy, um, and it's just uh, it's another example of something that's not my cup of tea. I would have, I would have preferred to see a regular match, but if you're going to have an I quit match and it's going to be John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. To your point, it does make sense that these guys aren't going to hold back and they're going to do everything. When we talk about a, a little bit about authenticity and things like that, I get that there are uh, limits to that and you do have to suspend disbelief uh, to a certain extent. I just always a little bit roll my eyes when there's just a bag of thumbtacks under the ring or barbed wire. And I, I just that a little bit like, I don't know, there's something I, I kind of. Like I said, I roll my eyes a little bit at that, um, and and that's nothing against Mox or or Eddie. Um, those guys are are 
are world class at what they're doing. But um, I, I just for me, it wasn't. I, I would have much rather the Young Bucks and FTR been the main event. But it, it was a world title match, so it had to be the main event. Um, but it just it wasn't my favorite match of the night. It just um, may have. Oh, go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. I don't know. I was going to say Front Row makes a really excellent point that we got to remember that that's not, it's definitely not our style. I'm with you, Will, on that, and, and Gary. But these are guys that that they, they venerate ECW. I mean, uh, Eddie Kingston always talks about that being the thing that kept them out of the streets to come in and watch uh, that kind of thing. And Mox is the same way. Uh, I felt like I, it's not. It's certainly not my cup of tea either. You guys know that. But it seemed like at the end, you know, when uh, when there was the little banter back and forth, there seems to be some respect. It really did look real to me, too, because it looked like Eddie was bleeding from the mouth. Moxley was bleeding from the head, but it wasn't overly gruesome. You know, it wasn't like, like I mean, just lacerated skins and this and that. It looked like they would got in there and had a, a, an old-fashioned street fight, you know. Uh, the only thing that really was, like, weird to me was, like, Kenny Omega coming down at the end. Like, they're setting that up for something. I'm like, yep. that, now we're – this, I want to see Eddie Kingston and, and Mox some more. <laughs> I want to play this feud out for a little bit longer. Well, it's going to be kind of interesting because they're not, they're not big pay-per-view. It's not until February. So they got some time to go. And uh, But no, Kenny Omega beating Hang- Hangman was, you know, the finals of that tournament. So he is the number one contender for the title. So I guess that's why they're, they're doing that. But I don't know, man. I, I didn't – the hardcore didn't put me off here. But you're not alone, Will. Like, I mean, a lot of people felt that way. Uh, Wade Keller's review here, he bitches about it too. And uh, says, no, he didn't that, like it. Yeah, he didn't like it. Oh, then said, I like uh, it. I like it then. <laughs> I loved it. I thought, I thought it was match of the night, man. I love yeah. the thumbtack thing, it was great. Oh, man. Well, he, he just. Uh, the, the match, the, the preparation packages for this were money, man. I mean, anytime we get to hear. Um, Eddie Kingston talk is just to me that's worth more than the match, you know. So all the the uh, dude, the, the vignette, you know, that there was the there was the scene where uh, they they go and I don't remember if this is from a previous week or whatever, but he's there with it's Eddie Kingston and his fam, and it's like you know the Lucha Bros and uh, Butcher the Blade and the Buddy, and they're all out there. And they talk to him, and they're all talking about how they support Eddie and blah, blah, blah. And he's just standing there, and he's dead serious, dead serious. And just like and, – and you've seen him get emotional. You've seen him get riled up, so you're expecting more of that. But they're like – we've seen, uh, you know, so-and-so say they deserve a shot. We've seen Lance Archer pop up, and he wants a shot. And you've got John Moxley tonight, but – you know, like, how do you feel about this? And Eddie is totally different. Like, this just shows, like, all his different levels. He's just like, I don't care. And it's like, well, which is, uh, they're like, well, you know, how are you feeling? What's more important to you? Like, beating, making John Moxley say I quit or the title? And, again, against everything I thought he would do, that Eddie Kingston's there saying that title is the most important thing in this business. That is the title that matters. I'm coming for that title. Everything we do is about that title. I am winning that title tonight, and it's going to prove that everything I've been doing this whole time was worth it. They're like, there's going to be people coming. He's like, I don't care. I don't care about Lance Archer. I don't care about John Moxley. 
I will do whatever it takes to get that title and keep that title. And it was just like, oh, it was so intense watching it. I can't, I can't describe it perfectly, but it was so beautiful. And I think I even tweeted at the time. I was like, screenshot it if you must. This is the only time I'll say this, but the NWA dropped the ball with Eddie Kingston walking out of there without getting to do this kind of promo versus Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship because that would have been money. Like to hear because because I don't believe that about the AEW title like I do the NWA World's Championship. But my God, you can't tell me Eddie Kingston when he's focused on the title. Like I mean, he made that title seem like the biggest prize that anybody could ever have. It's winning the lottery. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it changes your whole life by holding that belt. And uh, it's the infinity gauntlet. Like it's like, you got to have that belt. And uh, I mean, part of it is, is who it's coming from. I mean, Eddie Kingston could sit on train tracks and tell me that a grilled cheese is the, the the greatest thing you can ever possess. And I'm going to, I'm going to go make a grilled cheese. Like that's how, (laughs) That's how passionate and how authentic and real Eddie Kingston is. So yeah, it's it's I, I'm certainly not in 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 a real sense elevating that title above the ten pounds of gold in any by any stretch of the imagination. But Eddie Kingston is another level when it comes to uh, being a communicator in professional wrestling and uh, being. Um, I don't want to call him a hype guy because he's he's not he's not hypey. Uh, he's just real, man. I mean, we say it all the time. He's he's a real guy, and when he says stuff, you can't help but just be completely engaged and drawn in to what he's saying. Absolutely. 